Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit to Pew podcast and day 75 in this journey through the Bible. We're anchored down in the book of Deuteronomy. I want to go to a passage that is just, to me, one of the best chapters in the book of Deuteronomy. Let's get started. Well, hello again and welcome back. Deuteronomy chapter 6 is where I want to spend a few minutes today. I think just a beautiful chapter in the Old Testament. For those that try to say, ah, the Old Testament doesn't apply to us, it doesn't matter. Well, Romans 15 kind of discounts that argument. It says the scriptures were given before time for us and variety of reasons. But chapter 6 of Deuteronomy, it's, it's Moses who knows he's not going to the promised land. It's Moses pouring out his heart to this second generation. If you get the newsletter, I wrote about a little bit about the history of Deuteronomy on Monday. If you don't get that and you want that as kind of like a, pan- a companion to go along with the podcast that you listen to on Thursdays, then I want to encourage you to go to bradmcclure.org, bradmcclure.org, O-R-G, and uh, you can just right there at the top, you can just put your email in and you'll get an email on Mondays. But Deuteronomy, as I mentioned, is is called the second law. It's Moses now to this next generation. You remember through our time in the podcast, we've discussed this, but the, the generation that Moses led murmured once they got to the promised land. Remember the 12 spies went in, Joshua and Caleb said, hey, let's go up and get the land and the tent. We're scared to death, so there's no way we can do this. And everybody rallied around the tent, and because of their lack of faith and their doubt of God, God said, you're not going to go into the promised land. It's not going to happen. Only Caleb and Joshua and the next generation, those below 20 years of age, will enter into the promised land. Well, Deuteronomy is Moses reiterating what God has told the previous generation They've been wandering around in the wilderness, and their parents and grandparents are now dying off. The last of those are dying off. It's been about 40 years. Soon they will go and be the generation that goes into the promised land. And Moses wants to prepare them because it was going to be a difficult conquer. And and a lot of the difficulty was not just the enemies that they were going to need to conquer, but it was their own selves. And isn't that true in life? A lot, of, a lot of the greatest enemies that we face in life are not humans outside of ourselves. Now, I could also go to the verse in Ephesians talking about the spiritual principalities and powers. Yes, all that plays a factor. But a lot of times my greatest struggle is with myself. In Deuteronomy chapter number 6 is God's way, in a sense, of preparing for that. And there's 25 verses. I don't plan on reading them all, but as I was just kind of prepping before I hit record, all of them were just jumping off at the page at me. But I just want to look down through here a little bit. In verse 1, he says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you. So most and this is something God wants me to do. I need to teach you this. Moses, very gentle, meek teacher here. He says that that ye might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. I feel like a broken record sometimes, but remember, this is the land promised to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, 
This is the promised land. And this will be the generation to to see, in part, the fulfillment of that prophecy. And so, he, he wants this generation to be prepared. In verse 2, he says, That thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, and to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command them, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, that thy days may be prolonged. I highlighted this when I was just kind of going through this. You see, God was concerned not only for this generation, but in the generations to come. God said, I want you to obey me. I want you to fear me, not scared to death of you, but a reverence of me. I want you to keep my commandments. I want you to obey me. This is a book heavy on obedience. But I think in this chapter, we see the motivation behind obedience. Sometimes it feels like as a teacher, uh, even at church when I used to pastor, maybe even as on the podcast, it feels heavy on teaching and telling others and myself to, we need to obey, 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 obey. And what I want to emphasize today, but I always try to emphasize when I teach is it's not just your outward obedience. Yes, God is concerned with your outward obedience, but he wants it to come from a healthy motivation. When I say healthy motivation, there are unhealthy motivations. You can be motivated by fear in this sense. You say, well, he just told us to fear the Lord. I mean, you can be motivated by fear. I There were some times when I did some things maybe as a child because my mom and dad said, you do this. And I knew that the alternative was I was going to get a spanking. So I obeyed out of fear, not because I just loved to take the trash or more importantly, because I, unfortunately, my motivation was I just love my mom and dad. And if they want me to do this, then I'm just going to do it. Now, my kids don't even do that. A lot of times it was, well, I don't really want to get a spanking. But in life, you that that motivation, it, it's, it can be a powerful motivation, but it's not necessarily always a healthy motivation. Not that what my parents would have done was wrong. That, that part is right. It's just you've got to learn at some point. If that's all it is, then as an adult, the only way I'm going to work at my job is if there's some repercussions. Well, you've got to learn to take some ownership in what you do. And so... There's that type of motivation. There's there's other motivations out there. I just lost them all of a sudden talking about that one. But there's some other motivation. But the motivation that God wants us to do is the one that I hinted at, love. But he's saying, I want, he wants us not just for the this generation, but to continue. He says, that this is something I want you to teach your children. I want your children to teach their children. And then he said, here's the promise, verse 3. Hear therefore, O Israel, to observe to do it, obey again, that it may be well with thee. This is for your own good. And that you might increase mightily, you're going to prosper, as the Lord thy God hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. But then he comes into the motivation, verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. Where have you heard that before? Most of you have heard that. Maybe some of you didn't know it came from Deuteronomy. You heard it in, in Matthew 22, I believe. When a lawyer tempted Jesus and said, which is the greatest commandment? Of the 613 commandments that there are, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, quoted from this passage right here. If I remember right from my study, Deuteronomy is one of the most quoted Old Testament books. And he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. And he says in verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. He says, I want you to love God. 
He's going to talk about obedience, and he's actually going to talk about separation, but he wants them. It wants it to be a heart of love. You're so in love with God that you naturally want to obey him. You're so in love with God that you're going to naturally want to separate from the Canaanites in the land that you're going to go. It's hard for me to be patient and wait till we get to Joshua and Judges to talk about what's going to happen, but some of you have read through the Bible. You've heard Bible stories. You know all of this sounds so good, and then, like I said in the opening, they're going to be tempted when they get to Canaan. And especially in the book of Judges, they're going to fail. Why? I believe we can narrow it down to they forgot about living out chapter 6. Which is exactly, if I might as well transition to this, what God warned them would happen. I don't know if you noticed this when you were reading, but it continued to come up as we as we were reading over through De- Deuteronomy. He says it multiple times. But... Look, let me start reading in verse 10. And I want you to think through this. They are going to go into a land that God has promised to them. And here, here's what he said. And it shall be when the Lord thy God hath brought thee into the land, which that which he sware unto thy fathers, Abraham, and to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities, watch this, which thou buildest not. You're going to have some good cities, but you're not going to do a thing to, to earn them. You're just going to inherit them. Go on. You're going to have houses full of all good things, which thou fillest not. Hey, you're going to have some nice houses that you didn't build, and it's going to be full of good things that you didn't work for. He says, and you're going to have wells digged, which thou diggest not. So you're going to have some nice wells, but you won't even have broken any sweat to have them. You're going to have vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not. You didn't do anything to get these. You're just going to inherit them. He says, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware lest thou forget the Lord. Boy, this is that Laodicean church in Revelation. This is our modern-day America. We are so full. We have so much that we forget God. And it was a danger that he he was concerned about. He said, you're going to go in here, and I'm going to do everything for you. I'm going to win these battles. You're going to inherit cities. You're going to inherit gardens. And you're going to be so content and so satisfied that you're going to forget about me. And that's exactly what they did. Now, God tried to warn them because in the very next step, what happens when you forget about God? He says in verse 14, you shall not go after other gods. Why would he say that? Because he realized that the moment they forgot him, they were going to run after other gods. And if you've studied Israel's history, And we will together on this podcast as we go throughout the entire Old Testament. I want you to think about Deuteronomy chapter 6. I mean, every time we, I should, if I can remember this podcast and you guys hold me accountable, you may even have to comment it to me, text me or Facebook me. Every time we get in Israel's history and they go after other gods, we need to say Deuteronomy 6. Deuteronomy 6. God warned them. God warned them. You forget God, you're going to go after other gods. Now we may say, yeah, this is Old Testament. doesn't apply to me. <laughs> just, just think about this for a second. How many people in America are living comfortably? We've got our bills paid for the most part. we got a house. And we just forget about God. we got a comfortable bed. So we don't want to get up and go to church. We, we, we've got a job. We've got things to do we've got so many fun activities we you know we don't we don't really have time to squeeze god in got we got tv 
We got Netflix. We got Amazon Prime. We got, I don't have time to read my Bible, which is something he's going to talk about in here with them. And we forget God. You say, yeah, I've, well, maybe I've forgotten God, but I'm going to get you, Brad, because I'm not bowing down worshiping any other gods. Are, well, are we? Because it's not maybe the God of Moloch and you're not burning babies and it may not be a, a totem pole in your backyard, but it could be the God of materialism. It could be the God of pleasure. It could be the God of selfishness, myself. Our biggest problem in our culture is lifting up ourself as God. Selfies. Self-esteem, self-promotion, self-this, self-that. It's the God of self. And he says, you're going to go after other gods if you're not careful. If, if you don't keep a love in your heart as a motivation and you don't obey me, you're, you're going to get fooled. Things are going to, you're, I'm going to bless you. And when I do, you're going to forget me. And you're going to go chasing after other gods. And so to, to try to combat that, we're going to see it played out. But he told him like, like in verse 17, you shall diligently keep the commandments. Just just focus on out of love, obey me. He says, keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes with the command of thee. And thou shalt do which is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may be well with thee. There's the promise. That thou mayest go and possess the good and the land which the Lord thy God, the Lord, which the Lord swear unto thy fathers. This is such a good chapter. I just want to move on fast. I can't even read. And he said, 19, to cast out all the enemies from before thee, as the Lord has spoken. You better cast them out. Now, you're going to read this over the throughout Deuteronomy, but he's going to tell them, you go into the promised land, you do not leave the Canaanites there. You remove the Canaanites. Because the Canaanites will be a thorn in your side. They will be a snare. If you do not take them out, you will end up giving in to their gods. Well, when we get to Judges... You're going to see what happened. So he's warning them. He, he, he's not telling them to obey out of a fear of punishment. He's saying, I want you to obey out of love. Love the Lord thy God with all their heart, thy soul, and thy mind. But he's saying, I'm warning you, it's going to be difficult. And then he tells them this, and I, and I, and I loved this. In 20 and 21, he says, And when, thou, when thy son asketh thee in the times to come, saying, What meaneth these testimonies? Well, if you have kids, you relate to that. I, one of my favorite t things at night is to put the boys down to bed. It used to be the girls. They're teenagers now. They don't do this as much, but the boys are still young. And every night they want a story. Dad, tell us a story. Tell us about when you were a kid. I've went through every grade. I've I've talked, told every story I know. Uh, I, I'm Now I'm like scrambling in my mind throughout the week to think of the next story to tell the kids. Uh, because they always want to know what's what happened. What's What's the story? What... What's your childhood like? And then a lot of times, even a little Elijah will say, Dad, what does this mean? And they'll ask questions. And what do you think about this? And what's bigger, a lion? Who would win between a lion and a bear? All these things that I absolutely love. And it, kids, you know, thousands of years ago did the same thing. And he says, when you're a little one, ask what means these testimonies and the statutes and the judgments of the Lord God commanded you. Then thou shalt say to the son, we were in Pharaoh's bond, bondman in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And he goes on. He's saying, hey, tell them the history, how you were in bondage, and now you're free. What is that for us? We weren't in bondage to a nation. What were we in bondage to? Sin. Who freed us from sin? Jesus Christ. Share it with your kids. 
May they know your testimony as you grow. May they know your love for God as they grow. And maybe you say, my kids are already grown. Okay, but may it be known to them now that, that you love God, that you worship God, and that you serve God. And in the generations to come, that's one of the things about this passage. This passage talks about motives. It talks about knowing God's word and studying God's word. It talks about separating from the dangers. It talks about beware of forgetting God. But then he says, don't just do this for yourself, but think about the next generations, the ones to come, your kids and your grandkids. And that, I'll tell you what, since I hit 40, I'm not saying it's midlife crisis, but that's been something on my mind, thinking about my four kids. The life that they're now living is different than the life that they thought they were going to have. But it, the potential for them is still, in God's hands, great. And so how am I investing into their life? Do I do it right all the time? No. Do I get as much time as I want as a dad right now with them? No. But the times that I have, I need to invest in them. And Deuteronomy 6 tells us that. And whether your kids are grown or whether they're still in the house, don't forget your kids and your grandchildren. So I'm going to wrap it up there. Deuteronomy chapter 6, such a powerful chapter. But it's God, I believe, it, it, it's God's heart on the page for Israel, this next generation saying, hey, guys, I'm giving you this land. And I know even when I give it to you, you're going to forget me. But I'm giving it to you. But the only thing to keep you from forgetting me is to keep a love in your heart and know my word and obey it. And I don't think, I have said that really too passively because I know that that applies to us today. And I'm, as I'm talking to you through this internet waves, you and I have a danger of forgetting God. And when our motivation is not a love for God, and when we stop obeying God's word, and we become consumed with self, we're going to forget God. And you, I, I know you have to be very careful of health, wealth, and prosperity, all those different things. I don't think that just because we obey God, we expect everything to go right in our lives. Trials, difficult times are going to come for every one of us. But I am telling you, the life on the path of obedience to God is much more delightful than the life on the path of disobedience and running from God. So, what's it going to be for you today? Think back in Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And beware, because the greatest enemy you're going to face is not someone else. It's going to be yourself, just like it is for me. Hey, thanks for being here on the part of the podcast. I cannot wait till this Sunday. We begin a brand new study on the book of Romans, and it is going to be powerful, I believe. Romans I said it. Some, I gave an introductory on that, a little quick thought on that, like a three-minute podcast on Sunday. You can go back after this and listen to that. It won't take long at all. I cannot wait to get into the book of Romans. I will be teaching in my class, and if technology goes right, recording it and putting it right here on the podcast for you. That will be on Sundays, and then, of course, every Thursday, we're here talking about wherever we're anchoring down in the Bible and our study through the Bible. And then on Mondays, in written form, we talk about where we are on that day in the Bible. 
Thank you for being a part of this podcast. It's always a joy to hear from you. And if this has been a help to you, be sure to reach out. I look forward to hearing from you and make sure you leave a review and subscribe. Have a great week.